I am fantasy and paranormal romance author Leslie Penelope, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello friends, today is Sunday, December 11th, 2022, and this is episode 198 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. Today's episode is sponsored by Rebecca Zanetti's new romantic suspense novel, You Can Hide. It's the second installment in her Laurel Snow series, which ratchets up the suspense and asks the question, what if someone you love is a killer? FBI Special Agent Laurel Snow strives to navigate her complicated family life when her newly discovered sociopathic half-sister becomes the target of a dangerous killer. Dead bodies start turning up in the icy waters of Sauk River, and there's only one connection among them, Abigail. Having fish and wildlife captain Huck Rivers bringing in those bodies with his dive team only complicates matters, and Laurel's attempt to save her troubled sister's life might cost her own. If you like high-octane action, scorching romance, tight plotting, and suspenseful mysteries, then check out You Can Hide by Rebecca Zanetti, wherever books are sold, or at kensingtonbooks.com. So this week's best thing is, I have a full synopsis of Beastly Kingdom, the book that I've been working on, which is usually something that happens before I start writing. And I realized this week, I never ever had a full written out synopsis. I had outlines of different kinds and and various degrees of like completion or like sparseness of the outline. I had bullet points basically, but I never had a full written out synopsis. Like this is eight pages at one and a half space, uh, you know, line spacing. So yeah, the reason why I went back and did the synopsis is because after having like a landmark week last week, writing 20,000 words when I was on my retreat, I got back and I had gotten to the midpoint of the story. And the second half is always harder for me. Like it always falls apart when I'm writing the first draft. And I got to the midpoint and after, and I wrote the next scene and it was like, no, stop. Something is wrong. Something is very wrong. And so just pulling in the different strategies of what happens when something is wrong. I was thinking, oh, do I need to reread the whole thing again? And then I was like, what if I summarize everything so I can get a high level overview without having to reread all 20,000? Well, at this point I have 50, close to 50,000 words. So that's when I was like, okay, let me just scan through everything, summarize it, you know, one scene per paragraph in a synopsis, then I can get a look at what's working, what's not, the threads that I'm weaving in. And initially I was just going to do it for the first half, the part that I had. But then I got there and I was like, well, I might as well synopsize the rest of it since I hadn't before. And that's when I realized I hadn't. And I think trying to write this book without even an attempt at a synopsis was a big problem. I'd have to go back and listen to those episodes to get my reasoning of why I thought that was a good idea. I think I, when I first started writing this book back in the spring, I wasn't sure about it. Um, I really don't remember. I think I was trying to, like I had the bullet points and I thought that was enough because it's a book too. And I lived with these characters. I didn't have a full idea of how everything was going to play out, but I knew the, the broad jokes And then I had to take a break and do my second book for Orbit and then come back to this this fall. And when I came back to it, I started over. I like I got rid of all the words I had written before, because that's usually what has to happen when you have a big break, at least when I have a big break. And at a certain point, I was pantsing it. So yeah, creating the synopsis 
writing it out in words, in sentences, allowed me to just sort of identify some of the things that were going wrong, identify some of the things that I need to add in the next pass of what I've already written, which I'm not going to do until I get to the end. It allowed me to just play around with things, you know, without having to write the whole scene. I do the fast first drafts because I'm telling myself the story and I make so many changes throughout as, you know, as I get to the middle and then I get to the second half and I realize, oh, these things about the first half were wrong. I know this, like, this is why I fast draft, but each book is always a little bit different. And sometimes you know that and you're trying to honor that and like maybe do different things. And maybe this is the book that I don't have to fast draft, but also my brain works in certain ways and I need to honor that as well. So um, I was able to tweak the goals and motivations because it was still character problems. You know, I think it still went back to characters. What what were they trying to accomplish? How are they going about it? What were they actually doing on the page? Because those are the scenes. And if I'm bored, you know, or if I just feel like they're going off the rails, they're doing this because I'm really forcing them into what I think they should be doing when it wasn't matching up with their goals and motivations. That was a big problem that I kept having, kept running into over and over. And I would fix it and write a few scenes and then like come up against it again. Um, So yeah, having the synopsis, having it all laid out, even if I do change things, it just really like, let me get that big picture. Let me follow the threads all the way through, which is still a process. So I finished the the synopsis Friday and I printed it out. And the next thing I'm going to do is just really pour over it in detail. Like I was doing it as I was writing it. But now that I had gotten to the end, um, I know that I, you know, there's other things that I probably missed and need to go back. And the amazing thing is when I got to the end of the synopsis, I was like, oh, wow, no, this is, this is good. I actually like this. I see how this can be a good book. Up until now, I've been like, this is one of the worst books that I've ever written. Like even in the fast draft, like the story just wasn't coming together. Wasn't the story I wanted to tell. It wasn't even interesting to me. And there's only one book that I've written out there that I was never quite happy with, but I was on this deadline. And then it's a novella. I'm not going to say which one it was, just because I don't want to color <laughs> color people's expectations. But um, I read it and I think it's fine. I like it when I read it, but it's still not what the vision was. It the books are never with the vision. There's these, all these memes out there, like your creative vision is this beautiful mansion. And what you write is this like hovel, this shack. You know, it can never match up to that vision you had in your mind of what it could be. But some are further away than others. And there's one of my novellas that I just never was happy with. Um, and I was feeling like this was going to be one of those stories. But when I got to the end of the synopsis and I saw how I can bring it all together, I was like, oh no, I really like this. And there were things that I was excited about and I talked about, you know, just ideas and concept and scenes that I wanted to get to. But as a whole, like, I feel like I can actually save this book. And I got more excited about it. So that's always really nice. You know, getting unstuck is like a series of actions. It's a process. It's a marathon. The whole book is the marathon. And this one feels like it's been a lot harder than some of the other ones. But um, they're all hard in their own way. So yeah, I had this sort of breakthrough. 
And I read an interesting article. I will link to it in the show notes. And it's called Last Week I Gave Up. And uh, the subtitle is On First Drafts, Unusable Pages, and the Difference Between Typing and Writing. And it was just so on point for me (laughs) from where I am. And the gist of it is kind of ideas need time to gestate. And sometimes you start writing too early. It's also interesting because this week I got comments back from my brother on the Black Towns book. So I had him read it. He's my first reader. And, you know, any day now I'm expecting my edits back from my editor. And so I like to have at least two perspectives just to sort of compare and contrast what people have to say. And my brother always gives good feedback. And so I took pages of notes from our conversation about that book because I knew it was undercooked. It was underbaked. I've said before, it's the fastest I've ever gone from idea, brainstorm inspiration to completed manuscript in about exactly a year, October to October. And that fast, I didn't have enough time to sit with it. And I struggled during that process because of that. Basically, Kingdom, while the idea, the kernel has been in my head for a while, like years, the actual, I changed a lot of things from that kernel. So because Savage City went through all kinds of drama and I've talked about that, like, you know, that book was years in the making and I, it went through many, many different iterations of age group, you know, adult, YA, middle grade, back to adult, characters changed, names changed, concepts were similar, like the core concept didn't change, but like, because that book had been so through so much, the second book was always like, what is it? And it was just like a shadow of an idea in my mind. I'm just learning that. I think I just need more time to sit with things, you know, in order for them to come out more smoothly. When I wrote Earthsinger Chronicles, the later books, you know, they were on kind of not tight, but tightish deadlines. You know, I was always on deadline. But I started that series, I started writing that book in 2013, the very first iteration. And when I published the self-published version in 2015, I knew it was four books. I had the broad strokes in my mind. And all those years, because the core of the idea didn't change and the series was one whole thing together and it hadn't really changed, even though I was on deadline for, you know, books three and four and book two, rewriting it. Well, books one and two were different because I rewrote them some of them multiple times. But even with Cry of Metal and Bone and Requiem of Silence, and even with struggling with Requiem as I did to end the series, I knew how I wanted to end it. I was just afraid of that idea and various different fears and insecurities were at play when I was writing that. With these two books, Beastly Kingdom and the Black Towns book, they just haven't had as much time living in my head. And so the struggle is real. Some ideas come to you more fully formed than others, you know, like, and especially shorter things. I can write a short story or novelette, even a novella, because they're shorter, they take less cooking time. There are exceptions to everything, of course, but moving forward, like what I'm learning from this is that break I've been talking about taking. Part of that is just to let some ideas generate and gestate. I had a link in the footnotes newsletter either last week or the week before from Mike White, who um, is a screenwriter. He does the white Lotus, which I hear a lot about, but I've never watched. And he he was talking about um, impregnating your eyes 
your brain with an idea. And there's an art to procrastination. Sometimes you have to do nothing to fill the well. You know, sometimes you have to sit. There's something else I read in the past week about doing nothing. You know, I think it was actually in that same newsletter. Like, don't optimize your downtime. Take space and time to do nothing and just, sometimes I do. I just don't listen to anything when I'm driving. You know, I'll just be in silence with my thoughts or I'll sit on the couch and just like think about things. I have stories running through my mind sometimes. Um, you know, there's always something, there's social media and there's television and there's YouTube videos and there's podcasts and there's audiobooks and there's regular books. And we have so many ways to occupy our time. But sometimes we just need to not occupy our time and think. And that's part of it. And because I'm number one intellection in my strength finders, I do have a lot of time that I spend thinking. A lot of the writing time is thinking. And there are some writers who are like, you know, writing is writing, thinking isn't writing, planning isn't writing. And I disagree, especially because I know for my particular strengths, I have to think it through. You know, I, it has to make sense to me. I could write and write and write. You know, I could I could make an outline and write to that outline the way some people do and just write words. But if it doesn't make sense to me, I'm not going to be happy with it. And it, I actually can't do that. You know, like some people I feel like, especially people who write very fast, you know, they can throw out an outline that hits the structure and hits the right beats and then write that book and then publish that book. And that's amazing because I can write an outline that hits the beats that I, if I could write all those scenes, it would be a book that people probably would enjoy. But like, there's little things in it. If I don't understand and, and can't wrap my mind around all aspects of it, then I just physically can't continue working on it. Like I have to stop until I can. So thinking is writing and planning is writing and plotting and character development. They can also be procrastination, but sometimes procrastination is writing. And that's something that is dangerous because you really have to know when you're avoiding in a negative way and when you're taking space to allow your mind to play and then it will come up with the ideas and the solutions. And I think experience is is the thing. And are you producing? If you are doing what you think is good procrastination, but you don't ever have a completed product, then it's probably not good procrastination. But if you can procrastinate and fill the well and just allow your, your brain some space to think, and at the end of that, you go back and you write and you're completing things, then that's good procrastination. So yeah, that's where the writing is now. I'm going to review the synopsis, you know, tweak it, make sure it holds all the water, and then go back to writing. Speaking of things that don't quite make sense, <laughs> I finished the show Wednesday on Netflix, which I did enjoy. I actually did enjoy it. I was talking to my friends about, you know, YA stuff. Like, I used to read a lot of YA. I'm not in a YA period, you know, like young adult stuff. It's just not hitting right now, including like TV shows and movies um, and especially books. But I found that Wednesday was very watchable. Like there was like teen angst in there, but to me it wasn't overwhelming in the way that some things are. However, I had some major problems with the world building of that show. So after the first episode, you know, we, and this happens very early in the first episode, so I'm not going to spoil the show, but we learned that this is a world where there are werewolves 
and vampires and sirens and gorgons, which are like Medusa things. And apparently all humans know about them, but they're considered outcasts. And Wednesday from the Adams family is sent to a school of outcasts. Now she appears to be a normal human. She has ends up having some visions, which we see early on. And we know, if you know Adam's family, that her family has unusual members. There's Thing, which is just a disembodied hand, and Cousin It, which is just a hairball, and Uncle Fester, who can make light bulbs light up with his mouth. But to me, the whole point of the Adams family was that they were living in our world, like in the normal world, with their weirdness and their quirks that they thought were completely normal. And everybody else was like, thought they were weirdos. So you put them in a world full of actual other supernatural creatures was weird to me. But then you take a look at this world in which there are supernatural creatures. Vampires exist, werewolves exist, and are known to the public, but haven't taken over the world. And then there is some little subplot where one of these supernatural creatures is having an influence and, but it's more like a pyramid scheme type thing. It's not like mass destruction. And it doesn't need to be mass destruction. I just need to know why. I mean, they're outcasts. So I think part of the fear in most supernatural worlds where the the creatures have to hide is that maybe they're not powerful enough and they're afraid that if they're discovered, they'll be experimented on, they'll be wiped out, they'll be killed. So that doesn't seem to be the case in this world. There doesn't seem to be major like legal tension um, in terms of like, lawmakers or secret government agents that are out to kidnap and do experiments on them. They're just outcasts. They're like goths, but they're vampires and they can suck blood, I assume. We don't really go into that. And there's werewolves and they shift on the full moon or I think it's the full moon. It's a little hard to understand. And then there's these people who, when they take their hats off, their snake hair turns people to stone but they don't use that for nefarious purposes unless some of them do just off screen. Like Uncle Fester is a whole criminal, but we don't know why or how. We know his power is like electricity. There are so many things about this world that they've created that just don't hold any water and were so distracting to me. So while I loved the performances, I thought the girl playing Wednesday is amazing and please give her her Emmy right now. I liked the characters, even the roommate, you know, like I liked what they were doing, some of the script things, some things were, you know, eh. but overall, I did really enjoy it and I would recommend it. But the world just was like, I don't get it. I don't get it. It was distracting the entire time. And I don't know if it was lazy or just purposeful confusion. I don't know. If you've seen Wednesday and you have any insights or if you feel the same way, let me know in the comments. I would love to know what other people think about the world building. Also, book recommendation. Uh, while I was on um, the retreat, I read Book Lovers by Emily Henry, which was amazing. I don't think I've ever actually read her before. And I got it from the library. And so it had come up on loan. And I was like, oh, I'm not, not sure if I'm in the mood to read this. And that, that's what always happens to me with the library books that I have to be on hold for. And they're available. And I'm like, oh, 
I, I put this on all months ago. I don't remember why I wanted to read this, but it's about the publishing industry. And unlike so many things, and I'm looking at you, what was that Sandra Bullock movie that just came out where she's a romance writer, which was completely insane. It was pretty, pretty accurate, you know, in terms of how agents and editors actually work. Ish. Like the woman did write her whole book in like three weeks. Um, but I get like, it's still a book. You still have to like fictionalize things and compress time and do all of that. But I really, really enjoyed that book. It was really great. And um, yeah, highly recommended. Good characters, like surprises. It edges slightly into women's fiction because there's a lot of like family drama, but not so much. And it's still a romance. So book lovers. And that's it for me for this week. Um, goals. Keep writing, keep working, see what happens with this synopsis and getting to the end of this first draft. And that's all I can think about right now. I'm still working on the class. I don't have anything more to report about that yet. I'm making some decisions about how to how to actually do it, like the mechanics, but I'm like blowing out the outline and trying to get all the modules, the worksheets I want to have and what I'm going to talk about. I think I'm going to do a beta program. Um, but I'm still working out the details on that. So stay tuned for more. You can always go to myimaginaryfriends.net and sign up for the Footnotes newsletter because in addition to the show notes, it will be where I announce course stuff too. And yeah, that is it for me. Christmas is coming up. I, of course, have done zero Christmas shopping, which is par for the course for me. I usually start around December 11th or 12th and <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm considering whether I should put up the tree. Um, or not. And sometimes I just don't feel like bothering with activities that are like, spend all this time, like get the tree I from the basement, put it up, decorate it. It's up for a couple of weeks or months. Cause sometimes I don't take it down to my birthday in April, which is crazy. And then it's just like, why bother with the whole rigmarole? Obviously I'm brimming with Christmas spirit, as you can tell, but yeah, we'll see. Meanwhile, I hope that you have a wonderful week. I hope that you are full of holiday cheer. And I will talk to you next week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriends.net. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. You can email me at podcast at lpenelope.com. I would really appreciate a reading or review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts. <laughs>